You know, today we're continuing our series entitled Letter to Modern Day uh, Colossians, and we're still in the, the book or the epistle that was written to the church in Colossae. And you know, the deeper that we dive into this, the more we kind of realize that that letter was really meant as alive for us today, although it was very appropriate. When you look at the circumstances, what was going on in Colossae at the time, everything about that culture, wow, there's so much of that that applies to our culture right now. And that word for us, and we believe is very powerful for us to navigate the world that we're in right now. Our, uh, our message for today, and you know, we're, we're going to be in chapter 2. Now, I want to emphasize, and then I'll emphasize again, and then maybe I'll emphasize again. Saints, if we can't help you do anything but read your Bible on your own, that's a pretty good step on our part. That there's a lot that you hear, Sunday mornings and things of that nature, but the real goal to build faith in any one of us is we've got to be in God's Word. And look, I'm not asking you to go to seminary or be a theological student. I'm certainly not as deep in the theology as some people that I know, but it's the idea that God reveals to us through His written Word guidance for our lives. And so I just want to encourage you, just read part of it. This week, we're in chapter 2 of the, the epistle or the Colossians. Their message today is rooted, build up, and established. We're going to start off, we'll do the whole chapter in a sense, and I'm going to refer to that, but I want to take you just to the first eight verses. And I know it's going to be a lot of reading, but just stay with me, okay? Starts off in chapter 2 where we're at today, for I want you to know how greatly I am struggling for you and for those in Laodicea. Now, we talked about this before. These two cities of Colossae and Laodicea were very close there. In fact, a lot of the trade that was in Colossae at the time, all of that change went to Laodicea. And the importance of that is when we look at another book, it's one of the seven churches that God spoke to in the Revelation and so forth. So it's right there, same culture, same place in a sense. For all who have not seen me, I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all of the riches, get this, of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. And there's a big line there, and he says, the mystery is just Jesus Christ. That's it. There's no other mystery there. The mystery is Jesus Christ, how God, triune God, Son of God, could come to earth, be born of a virgin, raised, be crucified, dead, buried, and now sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. That's something we take by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit that guides us into that. But he tells us here then the complete understanding. In him, Jesus Christ, are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Continuing on, he says, now, I am saying this so that no one will deceive you. Just think about that statement in our current culture. I, I don't care where you're at on any spectrum. Just think about that statement from God's perspective. I am saying this that no one will deceive you with arguments that may sound reasonable. But for I, but for I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well ordered you are, and the strength of your faith in Christ. Then in verse 6, he says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, 
Verse 7, being rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. And then this part goes to be careful now, be careful that no one takes you captive as a prisoner of thought through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ. And that's the one thing we've got to get. Now, as we go through those scriptures, that kind of leads us into how important this is for us here. Our big idea is simply this. I believe it is the desire of God's heart for each of us to be fully rooted, that's the word that He gave us, to be built, completely established, continuously being built up, and strengthened in our personal faith in Jesus Christ. In these first three verses of this lead into chapter 2, God tells us through the Apostle Paul that He wants us to be encouraged. And I want you to know, as the teaching pastor here, I want you to be encouraged. I know it's pretty easy to come in on a weekend, isn't it, and feel pretty beat up on some things. But here's the thing. From my perspective, I get to look at all of you. And guess what? Newsflash. Doesn't matter where your week's been, you're here today, aren't you? You're here today. I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit that God brought you here for a reason. And the newsflash is, this is pleasing to God. Because there's a lot of people sitting here today, and if I were to say, who's had just a perfect week? Oh my goodness, could not have gone any better. Your life is perfect. There's not one thing wrong. Not a crossword spoken to you. Boy, what a great week this has been. I doubt if we'd see a lot of hands, would we? But the reality of it is, just like the Apostle Paul with everything that's going on, God is telling us He wants us to be encouraged. And I want you to know that I believe what God is saying to this and through these verses here is that the very center of, anything, of everything that we've got in our life is Christ. And in Him are hidden these treasures, He tells us. And He says these treasures are wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge, wisdom. But right there are treasures that God... And you know, very often we think of it, you know, the streets are lined with gold. And how many of you would like to have God just scrape off a little of that, put it in a bag, and send it to you now? I mean, because you're not going to need it in heaven, right? So, I mean, all the riches that are there, we're go, we could use a little of that right now. You understand what I'm saying? But what he's saying is the real treasure that God's going to give us in this is that God gives us knowledge, and we'll dive into that, and wisdom to go with that. He doesn't just plan it out there and say, okay, now figure it out on your own. And that's the battle between this. When we look at it, the real battle that we have is between absolute truth there and the effort of the world to pull us away, these arguments that may sound reasonable. That's the battle that we're in. We need God's wisdom. We need God's knowledge to combat, if you will, those things that try to deceive us. And what was the word that God used? Take us captive. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? That's a pretty powerful statement. And so when we look at this thing right here, what God tells us is, and in verse 5, and he kind of leads into this, but then he says in verse 5, he says, oh, by the way, I'm just rejoicing in the strength of your faith. You know, that goes right back to the, what I'm saying, just looking at all of you here. You're here today, and we're rejoicing in the strength of your faith. But we understand this at Summit Church. Our responsibility is to help you get stronger in that faith, isn't it? 
And that's why we've joined together as God's family on this Sunday. Is why God's saying he's rejoicing in the strength of your faith. That's what brought you here. Something guided you here this day. And God is saying he's rejoicing in that with you. And I believe that he is. And whether you're sitting here or whether you're online, you're a part of that. Whether you're watching this and whether you traveled from Germany to get here. Last Sunday, we had someone from Switzerland. I, I think this is wonderful. Now we have our, our children from Germany here with us, right? And so forth. Or Bethalto, Illinois. You all know where that's at, right? Or Granite City. You know, the message that God's giving us here at Summit Church, God's doing so much with that. But he's doing that because he's trying to build the community that goes far beyond this building that is the Big C Church, his church. That's what God is trying to raise up in us here. And so, you know, we look at these again, and we look at verses 6 and 7 again, and they'll show him. He says, so then, is what he tells us here. So then, right, in verse 6 on this. Just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. You know, and it's one of these things that God's saying, look, what got you here is good. But all that God has for you because you're here is even better. And it's not one of these where we say, you know what? I attended church one. <laughs> it was a joke when the guy said it to me, a great friend. But I made the comment, have you told your wife you love her? He said, Chuck, when we got married, I told her I loved her. And I said, if it ever changed, I'd let her know. How's that work for you with God? You know, because let me just tell you, I think too often we kind of feel that way. Hey, look, you know, I've been to church. I've made a confession of faith. I've been baptized. I've done this. I, I'm pretty good now. I don't really need to get with a bunch of people that are hypocrites. And I've seen, you know, go, welcome to my world. That's me. You know, as Paul said over and over again, I'm the worst of the worst. We're here to grow together as God's family because that's the desire of his heart. But he says here there's more to it than just the one and done. He says in this, he says, look, being rooted, built up in him, established in faith, just as you were taught with overflowing gratitude. And we consider these words, rooted, built up, and established. Let's look at the word rooted first. Here's the big key about rooted. It refers to something having developed from something. That's the roots. Now, I want to take you back for just a second. And that is, remember the four, the four seeds, you know? We talk about four seeds, soil. But, you know, the seeds that didn't grow were not productive is because they weren't rooted. The very first one went on the road. They could not get rooted in that. And so when you look at that, God is saying, look, your faith has to be established on being rooted in... Jesus Christ. If it's rooted in anything else, it's not going to grow as God desires. Our relationship with Him, the desire of our heart to know Him and be known by Him. So this idea is it's developed from something, and that development, God tells us right here, is Jesus Christ. That's it. That's the roots. Who He is, what He's done, and as a result, who we are in our relationship with God Almighty as sons and daughters of the King. You see, that's what he's saying. That's rooted. And, you know, for some of this, and it's going to be referred to all over, you know, in some of this, but it's one why we gather here together 
It's why we meet with one another. It's our community groups. It's why we do life together, because we need each other in that. Paul's getting us back to the source of our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the word built up addresses an ongoing process. In a definition, we get of additional layers on this, constantly being built in our faith. You know, if you, if you look at this concept around Denver, you don't have to look very far to see things being built up, do you? And you know, to get to the top floor of a building that's being built, you got to build the one underneath it first, don't you? To get to that, you got to go all the way down. And then you get to the fact that it's got to have a foundation, got to be rooted, doesn't it? We talked several months ago about this idea of the, the pilings, these, the strength of which the foundation is built upon and what that means for us. But this idea of being built up addresses the fact that God says, look, wherever you're at, and this isn't unique with me, I wish I had some of these really great sayings. I said, yeah, I, I said that all along and everybody copied me. You know what I mean? That's just not the case. But you know, people say, well, God loves me just the way I am. And the guy said, yeah, he does, but he loves you too much to let you stay there. Isn't that why we're here today? Because where we're at, God, we want God to build on that. And we're relying on God's love to say, I love you for who you are as my son and daughter. I love you where you're at. Believe me, I do. And none of this comes as a surprise to God, does it? In any of our circumstances, wherever you're at, nothing's coming as a surprise to God. But yet God is saying to us, my children, my sons and daughters, while I love you where you're at, please know I love you too much to let you stay there, that we're going to improve on this process. And God keeps repeating this to us over and over with this, that this idea of being built up and so forth. And then the idea of established was never meant to be this one and done. These are the layers as well that we're looking on. And this word, this word established carries with us a concept of organized, recognized, and followed. Now, I am going to tread on some very thin ice here. I'm going to give you a legal term from Latin with at least one lawyer in the building that I know of and others may be pseudo-lawyers. I, I don't know this. But here's the term. The term is stare decisis. It's a Latin term that means this has already been decided. So in our legal system, what happens is when there's a ruling at a court that establishes a legal principle upon which other cases can be determined, when they go into court with those, they don't have to reprove this. They just have to state it as established law. That's what it is. So stare decisis means this is established law. This is a known and recognized fact that we can now build on for the rest of the case. You get that? Now, what God is telling us here in chapter 2 of Colossians is, it's stare decisis. Who Jesus Christ is, what He did, who He is, where He's at, that's already been established. That's already been established. There is no need for us to come back each week and try to tell you, okay, I need to prove this to you again. Because what God is saying to Colossians, to the Colossians here at the church at Colossae is, that, listen, that's already been established. So let's function with the foundation of what's already been established, what is already recognized, what we can count on as a known fact. That's Jesus Christ. 
And he's going to lead us and tell us why some of this isn't happening, because then he goes from this. And remember, it's not just in this one book or one chapter. We go to Ephesians, and in Ephesians, what God says to us here is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that what? You being rooted and firmly established in your faith. It's over and over again. God's a confirming God. God knows guys like me are in the slow reading group, and I need to have it repeated, that I can read it one time, and then he's going to tell me again, okay? But this is what God is doing to us here. He's saying, look, your faith is to be rooted. It's to be established in the desire there. Now he said, have we got that? Do we understand that? Here's our foundation is Jesus Christ. And then he starts to transition us here. And he goes to verse 8 here, and he says, now listen. As if, as if everything in our world is surprising God. You know how many people, I told you a few weeks ago, guys ago, oh, Chuck, he says, if God only knew. Great statement. I looked at him and said, newsflash, God knows. That's not fake news. That's real news. God knows, right? And so when I read this here and I get to this next verse here, and, you know, in verse 8, the first thing that comes to me is God knows. You know, people, they look at our, our culture, they look at everything that's going on in our world today and all the battles, whether it's political, social, culture, I, you know, and I, like I said, this is about spiritual. This isn't about your political issues or whatever. Take those someplace else. Right here, we talk about God and we talk about Jesus Christ, why he came and why we exist, okay? But in the midst of that, God sees the whole picture. God sees the whole picture. I didn't know this. I was writing... Emmy, we're coming back from the airport, and we see this car, and you'll know what kind of car it is, because it had a screen, you know, that pops up about this big. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Tesla. Okay, like this. So you look down, and here's this guy's head right here, and here's a screen, right? It's like this, and I'm, I'm alongside of it, right? And I look over, and I said, Tesla, just because of the screen. And then Emmy told me, he says, you know this, that Tesla and the technology in it, it actually has the cameras that it looks down and kind of gives you the traffic around you and ahead of you and all of that. It sees what you don't see on that screen. I said, no, I didn't know that. One, I've never been in a Tesla, okay? But you know, I look at some of these verses like this, and isn't that God? I mean, we get impressed by a screen this big in a car that tells us a little bit about our surroundings. Guess what? God's got a screen you can't even begin to imagine. And he's looking right now at each one of our lives. He's seeing ahead. He's seeing to the sides. He's seeing where we've been. He's seeing the trouble that lies ahead for us. He's seeing all of those things. And so when we look at this, he's telling this now. He says, okay, I see what's out there. I see what's taking place in this. And God is saying, okay, I just want to tell you, it's a crazy world you live in. And we can say crazy, but can't we just say it's a fallen world? I mean, really, isn't that the accuracy? You know, we can say it's crazy and this and that, but aren't we really supposed to recognize the fact this is a fallen world we live in? This is not meant where we're supposed to spend an eternity. God's got a plan for that. But he's saying right here in the process, be careful now, because my screen is so big. I'm seeing things you're not seeing. I'm seeing things ahead of you. I'm seeing things to the side of you. You know, one of the things in just teaching our kids to drive, and it's gotten worse today, and anybody that comes into Denver, I said, look, you just got to be careful driving. It's not about you. You're a good driver. It's about 
all, let me say this delicately, I've advised you know, all of my years in Special Forces, Green Berets, and Rangers, the, the thing the Army really worked on me was delicacy and sensitivity. They spent lots of money to help me understand how to be delicate and sensitive, right? So that's what I'm going to use. In the Denver area, there are a lot of lovely, wonderful people that God loves that are allowed to drive, by law, automobiles, that operate them in a manner that I would not consider totally safe for myself or other people, but bless their little hearts. See, my wife, I told you from the South, so no matter what I say, even delicate and sensitive, if I follow it up with bless their little hearts, I'm good, aren't I? Got it? All right. Bless their little hearts. But see, God is seeing all of that. He understands it, but he's talking about the culture and these things of tradition and philosophies, and he's saying, look, don't, don't get trapped in those things. Don't get trapped in those things. We go back to this issue of the truth that we have to rely on in this process, and we go back to John in this, right? By the way, if you want to read a corollary and just say, okay, Chuck, let me just work on this foundational piece, the absolute truth, just go to the 14th chapter in the, the Gospel of John. It's not on your board. You just stay with me on this. Maybe some of it is, but yeah. These are all red letter stuff. And Jesus is speaking, and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Man, I'll tell you all of that right now. If we just stopped right there, I don't care where you're at in life, what's going on in your world. If you listen to the red letter words here and just read those, that's why I say, let's read this book together, saints. Let's read this together. But he says, don't let your heart be troubled, right? He says, believe in God, believe also in me. And he says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Foundational truth we can hang our hat on. I will come for you, right? And then he says this, I will come again and take you myself so that where I am, you may be also. You know the way. Then you got the doubting Thomas. We know who he is, right? That's not in red letters. This is just Thomas. And Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now let's get back to established law. You ready? Let's get back to established facts that God has given us. And Jesus said this. We know the verse. I am the way. I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he says this, if you know me, you will also know my Father, who is our Father. And from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. You see, we come back to these foundational things that God gives us in this, and he walks us through this. Jesus is clearing up any confusion that we have in this. And you go back to established law, stare decisis. That might be a word you guys remember when you leave here. And if you really want the truth, ask Rob Zavalia. Okay? I'm good with that. But here it is. Christ is telling us that Jesus Christ is the foundation. And it's already been decided. Now let's go back and we look at verse 9 in Colossians, right? In verse 9, we didn't read that at the beginning, but here's what he says, and he follows up with this here. And he says simply this. In verse 9, he says, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Now, I, I, I read that, and I just throw this out. 
For those that would say, I believe in God, but I'm not sure I believe in this guy, Jesus. Read the book, please. Because you see, we take God at his word. I do. I'm actually crazy enough to believe this whole doggone book. I know it sounds silly, doesn't it? I just actually believe every word that's written here was inspired by God. And so when he says these things, and he says, look, you know, here, the entire fullness of God, of God's nature, dwells bodily in Christ. And you, now he's talking to us, you, he's talking to the Colossians, the church in Colossae, he's talking to the church in Centennial, Colorado, he's talking to Summit Church, you have been filled with the same Spirit. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, God's Word says you have been filled with the same Spirit. And He's establishing that because He's going to tell us as a result of that same Spirit that dwells in you, we're in for some battles, saints. We're just in for some battles because the world will not like that. And as I continue this, I know it feels like we're drinking out of a fire hose when we look at this piece right here, right? But my encouragement to you is simply this. Let's read this together. And I tell people all the time, don't take my word for it, because I believe when you read God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is going to speak to you, and he's going to give you clarity that's going to go beyond the things that God is giving me, because he's going to speak to you personally about your life, the world you live in, but we need God's word to do that. I know it was on our announcements up there, but I, I want to say it again. We need more than Sunday morning together. That's why we are so dedicated in this church to our community groups. And they range in every, every subject and things like that. And I'll, I'll just tell you one. Somebody's here and they go, you know, Chuck, you're reading this stuff out of the Bible and you're telling us what it means to you. Yeah, not so sure that works for me. Then study the Bible. And Chris Dodson, one of our elders, he leads one of the community groups on a Bible study. If you're sitting here today and you're going, and look, if you can't get there, hey, Chris, you'll put him on Zoom, right? I got a thumbs up. He wasn't going to do it before, but he sure did then, didn't he? <laughs> See, it helps when you're on the pulpit and you put somebody on the spot. Even if it's one of your respected elders, you go, oh, yeah, Chuck, we'll put him on Zoom. See, there's your answer. You have no excuses. You understand what I'm saying? But it's the idea that, look, we need community together. We need to do life together. And at the same time, community groups, whether it's Chris in an in-depth Bible study that, that's going through, sometimes it's three or four verses at a time. That's as far as they get on it, okay? But it's important to get that. But the other thing is, if you're sitting here today and you go, you know what, and you saw it on the announcements, look, you saw it on the announcements that our community group training, if God, and it doesn't commit you to do anything, but it allows you if God confirms it and moves you forward. This Sunday, the 13th, Next Sunday, the 20th, is our community group, the leadership training there. And I just want to encourage you that if there's anything in you that's saying, you know, we ought to give this a shot, whether it's a leader or a co-leader, please consider going to that training. And I know we got a lot. We've got growth trek in that. You know what? I look at that and people say, well, you have so many things. We go, yeah, because we've got people like Chuck that's at different levels in our faith walk and our goal is to provide those equipping and training opportunities for you to meet God wherever you're at. 
So whether it's growth track, whether it's community group or the training or just the things that we're doing and the information meeting next week at the church, there's just a lot. But we're doing it because we believe that's what the church of God is supposed to be, is a place for equipping and training of the saints to go forth and multiply all that God is doing in and through them. Now, it's going to take us to something here. I want to focus on two words, knowledge and wisdom. Now, this idea of knowledge and wisdom, knowledge is really this gaining of the apprehension of truth. Now, in our current culture, let me just tell you where the confusion is. Far too many people think that knowledge is the apprehension or gaining of information. That's not what it is. It is the apprehension, the gaining, the grabbing onto truth. That's what true knowledge is. That's what God tells us here. You know, in, I think it was 1848, Webster put out a dictionary. I've got one sitting in our office, and Billy and I have used it for years. You know what's been really fun with this? As our culture changes, what people do is they change the meaning of words to suit themselves. But if you really want to know what definitions are for, I mean, what God's definitions, we go to God's Word because right here, God defines things for us right here. And 1848 forward hasn't changed God's definitions, by the way. 1700, 16, we can go back. We've got to know what God means with His words, and He tells us right here. Those aren't secrets that He keeps from us. So when we look at this, it's really about the apprehension, the gaining of truth, right? not just information or information. Now, wisdom, that's the neat one. Because God gives us knowledge, He gives us His truth. Wisdom is the application of truth in our lives. That's where it's intended, right? And you, you kind of meet some people and they go, boy, they sound wise, right? And you ever have somebody tell you something and you go, boy, that's really good. I wonder if they're doing that in their life. I wonder if that applies to them. Because very often in our culture, where we think knowledge is about getting information, we also confuse the issue of wisdom that it's for us to give to somebody else. It doesn't necessarily apply to us. But in God's eyes, when He looks at us, here's what I believe. Knowledge is the apprehension and owning of truth, God's truth. Wisdom is the issue here of applying God's truth to our lives before we do anything else with it. Because, you know, if it doesn't work at home, it's probably not going to work for you. You know, I tell people all the time, you know, I, I can stand here and I can share the Word with you, but always a fair question is, Chuck, how's that working for you? I mean, you gave us three points. You talked to us about this. Yeah, sounded good, didn't it? But the real question then is, and Ray can ask me and Grace, and we can go over here and Tom and Grace, and go, but Chuck, let me just get you aside. How's that working for you, son? You understand? Because that's what real wisdom is, is God taking His truth for us to grow in our faith. Got that? And if we do that and apply it first to us, God will use it outside of that. And people will see that and they'll understand that. So we've got to get this in every area of our life where we live, work, and play. And that was the path, in a sense, that they were on is they were getting confused. Now, you'll notice there's so much more in chapter 2. And the reason this part is so important is if you get this part, the rest of it's going to get a lot easier. But if you pull it all on par, here's what happens. There are words like Gnosticism, and in there, the Colossians were studying, they were worshiping angels because some philosophies had said, well, Jesus is the same as an angel. Well, if you worship Jesus, you can worship the angels. Not true. It's not true. 
But if we don't know God's truth, God's foundation that's been established, we can fall for those. And it says what? Fall for deceit, be taken captive by these empty philosophies and things that happen out there. I know in the recent weeks, one of the things that's really grabbed onto me here, right, is some of this from Greg Lowry and the Jesus Revolution and just this idea of being desperate. And you know, in, in God's Word here, He tells us all of this, be rooted, be built up, be established. And I want to take you to something that many of you may not know, but Greg Lowry's son, Christopher, was killed in a car accident at the age of 83 on a highway in Los Angeles. I, I don't know about you. I, you know, it's one thing to bury your parents. It's one thing to, in my case, I buried three younger brothers and sisters and three Billy's brothers and sisters and that. But boy, to lose a child is something very horrific. It's just, I, I can't process and I can't fathom that. Greg Laurie was going through the process of just why. Why wasn't it me, Lord? He had so much life ahead of him. Father, take me. You know, survivors send him, and we talk about you know, people of that. But Chuck Smith, if you've seen the movie, right, was really his mentor through this. But he makes a statement to him in the midst of the grieving that Greg Lowry is doing over his son. I want to paraphrase this, but I want to give full credit to Chuck Smith as told to Lowry, but he says this. Never trade the truth you know for the unknown truth you don't know. Because if it's an unknown truth, God will reveal it to you. Never trade what you know for what you don't know, is what he's saying. And you see, that trap has been before us from the beginning of time, hasn't it? Because what? God told Adam and Eve. He actually told Adam. Adam had the responsibility to tell Eve, don't eat the fruit from these trees, right? Tree of knowledge, tree of, you know, good and evil, tree of life. You got it? Do you remember what Satan said to her? Did God really say that? Are you willing to trade what you know for what you don't know? That you can be convinced that what you don't know is better than the truth that you know, that God loves you? God has you here for a reason. It's not by accident we're gathered at this church. It's not by accident that God has his arms wrapped around you right where you're at personally. So what he tells us is, don't trade what you know for what you don't know. You know, you go to Romans in this, and I love this in the fourth and fifth chapter of Romans. I guess I'm partial because we lived in Rome, but... Throughout those chapters, we get this definition again. Christ just defined and defined. And again, through the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Rome, and he says this, but we know. Man, if you want to grab onto words in the Bible, right, you go through this process, and here's what he says, but we know. And he outlines all of this stuff, and he goes, but we know. And what do we know? We know there's a God in heaven. We know that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. We know that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He walked as a man, just exactly was prophesied hundreds of years before, born of a virgin, ministered, was crucified, dead, buried, rose from the dead, and sits at the right hand to judge the quick and the dead with God Almighty. We know these things. It's just that simple. 
Now, what you do with that, you see, that's truth. you got to own it. But real wisdom is, so what does that mean to you? How are you different because of what Jesus Christ did for you? How are you different? And you can look back, before I knew Jesus Christ, before I came to that saving knowledge, now I do have it. How am I different? And isn't that the real question for all of us? So in the second chapter to the church of Colossae, Colossians, God is laying this out. And he says, the greatest treasure I'm going to give you is wisdom and knowledge. You have to pray for it, but here's the deal. I believe God is telling us, you know what? You have to accept the established law, what is already there, and not go back and revisit that other time. That Satan could say to you, well, are you really sure about this guy, Jesus? I mean, you read all of this, and you've been through the Bible, and you're in this, but are you really convinced about this guy, Jesus? I mean, he could be like a prophet or something. I believe in God, but you see what I'm saying? Never trade what you know for what you don't know. Those are those empty philosophies. That's that deceit of the world. I want to encourage you. Let's read God's Word together. Let's read God's Word together. Next week, we're going into chapter 3 of Colossians. If you haven't kept up, it's two chapters, saints. Read a little bit each day, but I will guarantee you this. When you read God's Word for yourself, God will change your life. I promise you that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we love you, Lord, and we come and we just lay it down before you. Father, the treasures that you give us, wisdom, knowledge, it's ours for the asking, Father, but it's based on the truth. Foundational knowledge based on truth. Wisdom, then, Father, to apply it in our lives. I pray, Father, for each of us, don't let us leave here the same as we came in. Start with me, Lord. Start with me. Don't leave me the same as the way I came in. And Father, don't leave me the same tomorrow either or the next day. We want to submit this to you. Help us grow strong that we're not taken captive by empty philosophies of this world that may sound reasonable if we don't know you. I ask your blessings in the blood of Jesus over each person here, whether they're watching online, whether they're with us in person here. Will you bless us, Lord? Will you keep us safe? And your word says you will guard our minds and you will guard our hearts. And we thank you for that now, Lord. In Jesus' name and all of God's family said, amen.